I'm Michael. And I'm Rebecca. And we just put our kids to bed. So come hang out with us as we talk about life. And other things. While while the kids sleep. Good evening, everyone, to tonight's episode of While the Kids Sleep. I'm starting us off this evening with our story of While the Kids Were Not Sleeping. Again, this is another Nicole story. We have so many of them. (laughs) She's just just fabulous. So today we were finishing up our new patio. We were stringing some lights up on top. It's looking really cute. And Nicole was all excited and she was talking about how we were stringing lights up. We could also use some shade. But knowing Nicole, she doesn't say, oh, you could use a shade or canopy. It's like, no, we need a shader. (laughs) (laughs) And this is something, this is a vocabulary word she has used many times before. She was making, uh, playing with Legos and made a little house for her train, a train station. And Mm -hmm. like, she was telling me the story of like, oh, when it gets hot outside, the trains can go underneath the shader. (laughs) The shader. (laughs) The shader. (laughs) She's a shady little girl. <laughs> yep. So that is our fun little story tonight is the shader. The shader. Gotta love it. Yep. So Rebecca, what are we talking about tonight? So we are talking about how to raise children with autonomy. 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 Autonomous. 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 No, autonomous. Autonomous. Children. Auto. That's why I just said, how to raise our children with autonomy, because <laughs> you don't get at the debate of anatomy, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, first we kind of, we were what? like, well, what is, what is autonomy? Let's kind of go back to the grade school, uh, like, let's give a definition According first. to Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Yeah, but this one was according to Google Dictionary. What does it say, hubby? Okay, according to Google Dictionary, autonomy. Autonomous <laughs> is defined as the right of condition of self-government independence. So it's basically autonomy is you're independent. How do you raise your children to be independent? And this is something that we feel really strongly about. Ever since we had, you know, just a baby with Jessica just being a baby, we want to raise our kids to be independent because when they eventually grow up, we want them to move out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> we just want them to stop leeching off of us. <laughs> right. Like we want them to move forward with their lives and we want them to be ready to move out of the house. So um, the other thing with like a why we want to raise our kids to be this way is we want them to be able to solve their own problems. Which is very helpful because kids have a lot of problems. Yes. Well, you know, and, it, and they differ in severity depending on their age and stuff like that. But Or they may be just as severe, but they're just different kinds of problems. They're important problems Absolutely. to them. Absolutely. So, but it's good if they can solve their own and they don't have to have mommy and daddy rescue them all the time. Um, and then the same way with moving them out of the house, we want them to be independent adults. They're ready to set sail when they get old enough. I'm just thinking about all the problems kids have right now. Like their favorite shirt isn't clean. And so now they have a problem of what will they ever wear? And they cry. And they cry. This is, these are our well, young they can't, problems. They can't find their right shoe. They can only find their left one. What should they do? They have <laughs> so many problems. 
go look in your room. It's probably in there. And it was. Did you know that, Nicole? That So, you, Michael, you're referring to today. Nicole found one shoe, but not the other one. And I was like, the other one's got to be in your room. And what happened when we went in there a little bit later and cleaned the room? Because, again, the room was a little messy. and It was time to clean it. But the girls and I went in there, picked it up. Oh, there was the other shoe that she couldn't find. Anyways. Yeah. And so, you know, we kind of bring this up, right? We're bringing this up right now because this is our goal to raise our children to be independent. And I think this is always on our forefront of our mind because lately society seems to be getting plagued more and more by what's termed as being a helicopter parent. Yeah. Like, I feel like there was this shift back when we were kids or definitely when our, even our parents were kids where they were very independent. They're like, okay, I'm going to kick you out of the house and I'm not, I don't want to see you until, you know, the sun goes down and the streetlights come on. Like, I remember my mom telling me that. Good luck. Hopefully you don't get kidnapped. We'll We'll see you in six hours. Right. Like, I remember my mom telling me that. She'd be like, we'd go and we'd play and our parents' rule was when the streetlights come on, you need to come home for dinner. And I was like, wow. You know, nowadays... It's, I'm going to put a Bluetooth tracker in your back pocket just in case <laughs> you can't find, I can't find you somewhere. Right, exactly. And so, yeah, this helicopter, which basically, you know, helicopters hovering over the earth. And so that's the visualization is that as a parent, you're hovering over your children at all times. You're always surveying. You're always there to just jump in at a moment's notice in case something goes wrong. You can be there and you can solve it for them. Right, exactly, which, I mean, this is totally going against, you know, raising kids with independence. And what's sad is that it ends up what we kind of refer to as you raise children that are little snowflakes. <laughs> yeah, so the term snowflake is another one of those new terms that's coming in. It's someone who melts easily. They have a meltdown quickly. Little snowflake flutters along. And it doesn't take a whole lot to make a snowflake melt. Yeah, exactly. Something slightly goes wrong. Complete meltdown. And you're done and you're gone and you just, yeah, you're no more. And so to avoid doing this, I mean, there's things that, that I think with helicopter parenting that kids struggle with. They struggle learning like conflict resolution skills. Yeah, it could be. Uh, something like resolving conflicts with their friends Mm -hmm. or even older. I remember seeing stories and seeing other younger students at college. They would have a disagreement with their their professor. Mm -hmm. They didn't go in and resolve it. They talked to their parents and then their parents were calling up their college professors. These are legal adults. Adults, They're over the 18, they are in college, and they're still having mommy and daddy come and talk to the teacher about their grade. Right. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm sorry. If our kids ever said, mom and dad, I got a bad grade. And it has to be like, oh, well, what are you going to do about, what are you going to do about it? You know, cause I, that's the way it was for me at least. Like I never had a parent that got upset because I got a bad grade on test, like got upset at the teacher. They'd be like, well, you, you know, you need to study better the next time yeah, it was, or, or whatever. Yeah, my grades were my responsibility. If I got a bad grade, it wasn't the teacher's fault. It was my fault for not studying exactly. hard enough. Exactly. So any kind of conflict at all, I mean, they need to know how to deal with it on their own. Because mommy and daddy are not always going to be there, whether something goes down in their job or their personal life or whatever, they're not always going to be there just to rescue them. You've got to learn how to do it on your own. Because I think if you don't learn these conflict resolution skills, I think there is like a direct correlation between this and like mental health and like depression. And I know there's been a lot of research 
that has come about this in the past several years, but just these rates of not being able to deal with problems in your life. And so you have no coping skills. And so what happens? Everything becomes like a huge disaster and a huge trauma. And so then, you know, we're seeing higher rates of depression in some kids, I think because of this. Being a snowflake is very much of a victim mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't make it. I'm a victim. I didn't do it. You can easily become victimized. Yeah, and in like, woe is me. And what makes me sad about the victim mentality is that there's no personal responsibility in it. It's always like, oh, this happened to me and my life is terrible because of it. And they don't do anything about it. They just sit and whine. We're seeing a lot of that in the news right now. And what I think is right now there's cultural warfare going on and there's riots up in Portland, riots in Michigan, Wisconsin and South and all all of that. And I see a lot of it's just a victim mentality. People like, because of this, I am being oppressed. Because Mm -hmm. of this, I can't do this. Because of this, I'm not going to succeed. It's the man's fault. It's a system. The system out is out against, is against me. So therefore I can't succeed. And Mm there, they really blame. I have not succeeded in life because not because of my own fault my own responsibility i haven't succeeded because the system is an oppressive system we're under oppression because somebody hasn't done something for me that i wanted and i think you're never going to get where you want to go if you don't take responsibility and do it uh who was i talking to about this when we went back on our bear lake trip with the um lindstrom's lindstrom's and we were just talking about the cultural difference of things and how I've seen growing up, I've seen people who grew up in horrible circumstances. I mean, poverty, they had parents who weren't even around. And within this family, a friend of mine, one brother ended up in and out of jail off and on throughout his, I mean, youth, youth age. And still even now he's just in and out of jail, just making poor choices. But this other brother, he had resilience and he made the choice that he was going to do something and change his life and be better. And I was like, you can't say it's the circumstances that made them be the way they were because one brother chose one way and the other brother chose the other way. And like, you've got a successful person and a person who's choosing, you know, poor choices in life. So I'm like, you can't blame others for your problems. It's your choice. And we're talking a lot of this as, as people, as adults. And so to kind of bring it back to parenting, what we're doing right now with our kids is whenever the girls are getting in a fight with each other, they're fighting over toys, obviously that's going to happen. So one of the strategies we do is if a child comes running to us, oh, so-and-so took the toy away from me. We don't go in there with them and say, okay, give the toy back or whatever. Our first response usually is, okay, what do you want to do about it? Or what can you do about it? Mm-hmm. Like, tell us what happened, you know, so we can understand and we can help you if need be. But yeah, put it on you. Like, what do you need to do? Yeah, we'll, we'll give them some suggestions if they're like, well, I don't know what to do. And we'll say, okay, well, do you think you should do this? Maybe try asking them to give the toy back. Mm-hmm. But we won't go in there and say, hey, you need to give the toy back. It's still up to the child to go to their sibling and say hey you give the toy back yeah and they do it first so that they can work on that communication with somebody else who they're having a conflict with so with this helicopter parenting i think it kind of instills this afraid to fail mentality with kids fear of failure completely complete uh, fear of failure because their entire life mommy and daddy have been in there and always made sure that they succeeded. 
Mm-hmm. And so that child has never failed in their life. Mm-hmm. They never fail to get a trophy at soccer. Yeah. They got their participation trophy. They've never failed. Might be 15th place, but dang it, I got a trophy. trophy. <laughs> I, I never got that B in class because mom and dad always made sure I got an A. Mm-hmm. So they have never known what it's like to say, oh, crap, I got a B. Yeah. And that's it. There's right. there's no change. There's And so... Since they've never had to be in that situation to fail, when they eventually will be in that failure situation as adults, it hits them hard. It's like a catastrophe for them. I think it's important to start this mentality of teaching them that it's okay to fail from the time that they are really young, no matter what that is. Um, And I think they can learn that from a very, very young age. And to also learn that failing is not the end of the world failing is how you learn to succeed like you have to fail so that you can learn how to get back up again and bounce back and go man that was really terrible or i did that really poorly or whatever what am i going to do about it how can i get back up from this yeah and it's kind of like how can you ever experience the exhilaration of success mm-hmm. if you've never known the agony of failure exactly you, you got to have the something to compare and contrast to yeah it's true and you have to just you're saying it feels so good when you have like a success because I've had plenty of failures and we always have failures I mean all the time but then when you have that moment of like I worked really hard for something and it paid off and it was it just oh, sweet sweet success it feels good it's good. So it's important right now, even when kids are young, make sure they have their situations where they can succeed and they or they can fail. And it's entirely up to them because if they learn those lessons early on in life, mm-hmm. they learn those skills to cope and to deal with it rather than waiting until they're much farther along in life and they're a grown adult. And the consequences are much bigger. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're so right. So some simple ways to kind of learn how to teach your kids autonomy when they're young. We like to do it starting off maybe when they're really young. Let them cut their own food. Don't sit there. And we, we are big fans of letting them have their own utensils from the time they're babies. Like Savannah is just over a year, but she ha- she's like demands a utensil every time and she tonight actually at dinner um we had like some pizza and some pasta salad or something and she sat there and like poked at it with her fork and every time she'd get something on her fork we had a friend having dinner with this too she'd hold it up and be like Da-da! like I did that and I swear that's exactly what she said was did that but she like held it up to show him like Da-da! like I got it on my fork and then she put it in her mouth and I thought like look how excited she worked hard for that and 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 she had to work it, you know, but it took her a dozen tries. So At she least. had a, a dozen failures mm-hmm. and then she got the one success. And then you're like, yeah, we clap and we're so happy. But things like that. So and then also with the cutting their own food. I know we had a friend whose mother still cut their little brother's food until he was like, was he like 10 or 11 or something? Yeah, double digits, like 10, 11, early adolescence. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, I get that. Like we, when the kids are young and they don't know how to use a knife or maybe, you know, whatever, we can do that for them. But like eventually you need to kind of let them do their own thing. They they can cut their own, they can cut their own piece of chicken. Exactly. What's, what else can we do, Michael, to yeah, learn? This isn't so much about failure, but just teaching autonomy, letting them 
learn how to be their own functioning human, mm-hmm. we let our kids pick out their own clothes. Oh my gosh. Yep. Every day. And it's funny for me because I tend to be a little bit more of a, like a control freak. And I'm like, oh, this outfit would be so much cuter on you for school. You know, because you see some people and you're like, oh, your mama dressed you for school today. Like you look prim and cute and you're just all done up good and sometimes I'm like oh don't you want to wear a different pair of pants with that Jessica or whatever but I'm like no like I help her I help her because I paid pay for the clothes so I make sure she gets stuff that you know we approve of in that sense but I just try and get things that mix and match well and you know what it's her own clothes it's her own body she can wear whatever she wants like she doesn't look like a little like hoodlum or a little roughy or whatever she looks fine it's just sometimes I'm like that doesn't match as well but it's okay because it's independence and that's what she wanted to wear whatever yeah no it's fashion fashion can be your own self-expression exactly and fashion is is changing and fleeting all the time so you can do what you want yeah and why not get away with it while you're young it's true I know another way to kind of learn autonomy is and we've kind of talked about this before but we, when, when our kids have like disagreements with their sibling or with a friend, we don't just jump right in to rescue them all the time. You know, we try to help them problem solve and say, okay, thanks for telling me about that. You know, what do you think will help make it better? What do you think you can do in this situation? Or what could you have done? Because a lot of times if they're having a disagreement with a friend and they've come home and they're upset... And we're like, okay, tell us about it. And they'll, you know, walk us through it play by play. And we say, okay, well, what could you have done in that situation? And if it's something really severe, then obviously we can go back and talk to the friend and the friend's parents and and do something like that. But most of the time, it's just they need to learn those coping skills. And so we talk through, okay, what can you do to make it better? Right. And this kind of goes with, you know, how we let them feel disappointment or hurt or pain. You know, we don't try to insulate them so they never feel disappointment right but we do make sure we parent with them through that and say tell me how you're feeling we talk them through about why they're feeling that way and what they can do to feel differently if they're feeling sad we work with them say well why are you feeling sad right we don't try and prevent them from ever feeling sad because Mm -hmm. that's not realistic Mm -hmm. but if they are sad we'll put our arm around them and talk through it with them right and help them process their emotions and I think it's important that we as parents are there to support them and to give them comfort and that they feel safe to come to talk to us about whatever's going on with them and it may it's really simple stuff I feel like nowadays because our kids are still young but hopefully we have this open communication with them now so that as their problems get a little bit bigger or more complex or whatever the older they get, they will still come to us and we can still help them find a way to resolve it themselves. So, and it's important for them, I think, to really know what they're feeling, you know, to put words into what they're feeling. I think it's super healthy for them emotionally. Rebecca, do you want to talk to everybody about consequences with children and how we give them choices that we as parents are okay with giving because we're still the parents so we can still kind of control what the 
choices are to the multiple choice test is? Yeah. Yeah. So in this kind of, this strategy, I think we kind of got it from um, Love and Logic book. You remember that book, Michael? I read it long ago, but I remember telling you about it. I don't think you have actually read it yourself, but it's a parenting book. It's a classic parenting book and it's been around, I don't know, probably since the eighties at least. And the concept of it is basically you, your kids understand consequences and that you give them choices that you are okay with, but they still have to learn the concept. They can choose, but there's always consequences for everything that they choose. And so you as a parent can choose, okay, do you want to do this or this? Even, even from the time they're really young, do you want to put on your your pants do you want to put on your shirt you know something like that and they can choose and then you let them do it and then you're okay with that so like to kind of give an example the other day Nicole again bless her heart she gives us so many good examples um she wanted to play with Legos but she had been playing with a bunch of puzzles in our little living area and we were like well before you play with Legos you need to clean up your puzzles first so that you can play with this next thing. And so my question to her was, well, do you, she, and she was like, I don't want to clean up. I don't clean up. And I'm like, all right, here's your two choices. Do you want to clean up or do you want to time out? Either one of those, you know? And she was like, oh, oh, okay, I'll clean up or whatever. And I always remind them and I always use the words, it's your choice, your choice. Here's the two choices that I am okay with as a parent, your choice, what you want to do. And then they have to deal with the consequences. And so I, it's, it's a brilliant, like, I feel like a brilliant parenting strategy because they do learn like, oh, if I choose this or this, like, this is how it's going to turn out. And sometimes they choose the worst of the two or, you know, sometimes they make a poorer choice, but then they learn. And then that's what's important about it is that you follow through on the consequences and you're very clear about it. And so if they choose maybe the wrong choice, I guess, in the way or something that they don't really want, you stick through on those consequences and you let them feel that and you let them go, oh man, I should have made a better choice. And I know we've had a lot of moments where Jessica has come back because she's a little more mature now that she's like six and a half, but she'll come back and she'll be like, mom, I didn't make a right choice or I didn't do that. I should have done that. And I'm like, yeah, probably so. But like she learned like, oh, okay, but it was her responsibility. And so the next time when she comes upon a situation like that, maybe she'll remember. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like another example, I know we've done this with the kids before is, or with Jessica's, it'll be lunchtime and she'll be playing with her, with toys, Legos, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we'll say, you can either come and have lunch now, or you're going to be hungry until dinner time. Mm-hmm. And she's made those choices before. Sometimes she makes the one that we want her to make as the parent and she stops and comes, has lunch. The other time she doesn't and then she's hungry. Whoops. Whoops. Yep. And yeah, and we've also had that just with food in general. We'll make that like, okay, they'll like Nicole will, I know she did this the other day. I'm like, okay, do you want this or this for lunch? Whatever it was. It was like some leftovers in the fridge. I think it was like chicken and rice and something else. But those were the options for lunch. And I said, do you want this or this? And she's like, I want chicken nuggets. And I'm like, that's not an option. Do you want this or this? You know, A or B. And she did once again, I want chicken nuggets. That's not an option. Do you want A or B? And she like said to stop for a second and go, oh, okay, mom's for real. And so then she chose something and she was happy with it. But that was something that I was okay with. And I gave her those choices. And as a parent, I had the, the power to do that, I guess. And and she made made a good choice. And she was happy and fine with it. 
Yep, and so it's it's through these giving them choices, they're learning how to be autonomous, letting them choose more in their path. They're really young right now, so we control a lot of what those choices mm -hmm. are going to be. As they get older, as parents, we won't have as much control of the choices presented. Right. But their entire life, we've been training them on how to make good choices and making them by themselves. Right, exactly. And so we hope this will trickle down into basically a really good work ethic someday when they're grown, that they will learn how to put in hard work. And when things get difficult, that they won't just give up, that they'll go, oh, yeah, I've, I've had some... Some things I've had to work hard for even as a child and, and as a teenager, now that I'm on my own, I know what it's like to, to put in some hard work and, and put in some effort. And I think you just have a happier, more fulfilling life if you aren't just like a bump on a log, if you actually know how to work hard and how to work for things that you care about. You know, I feel like it's a much more fulfilling life. So I always tell our kids, this conversation usually comes about when some of them, one of them is not happy because a consequence, like a negative consequence happened for one of their choices and they're sad and we talk about it again. And I, I know I've told this to Jessica and Nicole a few times and I'm like, Mom and Dad, our role is to make sure that we raise you to be good, functioning members of society. Like, I'm not going to raise a little bratty kid, and I'm not going to raise somebody who's going to be mean to somebody else, and who thinks that the world owes them everything. Like, no, I want you to be a good person. I want you to function well in society and give something back to the world, you know, and somebody that we can be proud of, somebody that you can be proud of as yourself. I think that's what's most important is that you have this sense of pride of, hey, I know how to contribute to the world and I know how to make good choices and and I think it just makes you a happier person in general. So thanks for listening tonight on this episode of While, While the, the Kids, kids Sleep. sleep.